do you have a name for your PMDD persona like Sheila or the monster in the closet or maybe Kali? Well, Dr. Roxanne Partridge is going to share why you should give your PMDD self a name. Welcome to the PMDD Healing Summit where the world's top experts share hope, guidance, and next steps for your PMDD healing journey. My name is Charisma Whitefeather, and today I am joined by Dr. Roxanne Partridge. And let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Roxanne. She is a depth psychologist, relational sexuality practitioner, and menstruality advocate known for inspiring and guiding women, embodying their unique and sustainable fullness. She believes that the path to your authentic, sovereign, empowered embodiment includes moving through the potent and complex thresholds of menstruality and sexuality. In the creative and catalytic containers of Roxanne's private practice and immersive workshops, she shows women the way to embody their dynamic, empowered fullness from the depths up and out. Ooh, that sounds so juicy. Thank you so much, Dr. Roxanne, for being here with us and for being willing to share your wisdom with us. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Charisma. I am so, so grateful to be here and to bring some light and some inspiration to the topic of PMDD. feels really, really important. Mm, thank you. Yes, that's why we're all here. So could you share a little bit, we'll just start with, could you share a little bit about your journey and why you feel so passionate about empowering people around menstruality, sexuality, and embodied identity? Yeah, <laughs> all really big, big concepts, right? You know, I always, I feel like there's so many different ways I could answer this mm -hmm. question, you know, because it's, it's such a rich and richly complex field, you know, of these intersections between menstruality, sexuality, and embodied identity. Um, from like a personal heart space, you know, what really leads me is um, like growing up in an environment in which women's ideas, hopes, dreams, desires, suffering, pain, like, almost anything really, um, was discredited, dismissed, devalued, um, and reduced to her cycle. And so as a really little young person, I saw this <laughs> happening, you know, in my home to my mother. And, and as I, I, um, as I, came into my cycle at the age of nine, I, that was part of the initiation it was like, okay, now you're a part of that um, camp of crazy, right? This is the way that all of this can be silenced. And so I had a view from a really early on, like there's so much more going on here, you know, that this is um, to say that it is the fault of the female body that there is disruption or unhappiness or suffering or anxiety. I was like, that is, there's, again, there's just so much more happening here and seeing that not getting recognized. And, um, and so from really early on, this seed was planted in me of like, of um, a real sense of injustice and advocacy 
for the for for women to be able to give voice to the fullness of their experience and to find ways of really uh, validating that for themselves because my own personal experience is like what's held largely in the culture as well that we've all internalized in one way or another um, and so that's that piece that is still I think a part very active in our culture, you know, which is why we're here, right? Having this conversation, um, you know, of just like the little girl in me, the daughter in me who is like, wait a minute, no. Like there, we need to listen more widely and more deeply to what is happening here, what she wants, what she desires, what she's feeling. Yes, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I, I see that too. I see that so much also with the, PMDD, this this stigma, this oh you're just crazy, or this poo pooing of our experience. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So let me get into the some of the things that you work with because I am. What really popped out to me as I was reading your bio, and I just want to sidetrack into that really quick. Could you share mm -hmm. about relational? sexuality practitioner could you share about <laughs> how this might fit into this whole area maybe here yeah absolutely i'm really glad you asked because that is a part of the fullness of so um relational sexuality practitioner this comes from the work of gina ogden who was a sex therapist and one of my mentors um and she created a medicine wheel of the uh, four dimensions mind body heart and spirit as a way of tending our sexual stories. And in my work with that modality and with Gina of expanding that to also include our menstrual stories or our embodied stories really. Um, and so it's again, this understanding that we're multidimensional beings mm -hmm. that our sexuality and our menstruality has um, a spiritual component, has a physical component, a mental component, an emotional component you know, and um, looking at the fullness of that and how both the menstrual and the sexual um, for me are, and I, are, are paths of self-knowing and because there's so much overly determined meaning placed on these things historically, culturally. And so I think it's really powerful for women to have like a space to unfurl and examine and explore what we've inherited you know around sexuality so that's the relational piece of bringing it all into relationship like it's not just about an orgasm it's not just about uh, a hormonal experience you know that it's um deeply connected to how we understand and experience ourselves the different beliefs that we have about who we can or can't or should be right um and having a container to allow for that fullness oh wow yes that aspect that there's this whole it's there's more than it's not just this one thing it's not just in the body but there's like the mind there's the spiritual aspect sexuality and menstruality all in one that is really powerful because I know for me with my PMDD, I kind of just compartmentalize it into, oh, it's just this thing that my body is doing. But when I began my healing process, I noticed, ooh, this is this has a spiritual component. There's so much mm -hmm. that I, I need to dig up and heal. So thanks for bringing that up. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
and you speak about embodiment. So I'm, I have heard it and I have had a lot of experts here talking about embodiment, but what is embodiment actually? Why is it so important? <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah, what do we mean by this word? Um, let's see. I guess one way I think about embodiment is like a way that, like, well, one, like we were just talking about, you know, the awareness of this fullness, right? <clears throat> that that is, that our cycle is a part, of, a part and parcel of the greater whole, you know, that it's not in a vacuum, that it is contextual and integral to everything. And, and I think embodiment is like an active, practice of being with ourselves you know of kind of like staying with ourselves in like we are being and becoming all the time you know that like we shift I think there's a there can be like a a sort of external pressures to be like a kind of constant same singular person <laughs> yeah <laughs> right and that can create a lot of tension emotionally, psychically, physically in the body to try to maintain like the same thing every single day, which, which we are not, you know, whether we're cyclical beings or not, like we are living, evolving creatures, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you know, and, and so to attend to that, to attend to, you know, how that is showing up every day and being present with that and allow and acknowledging that this is a part of our fullness as opposed to a threat or other, you know, which is often the PMDD experience, right? Where it's like, we wanna like put, it's like, no, that's not me. Like, let's like push it out. It's demonized, it's deviant, you know? Um, and so, and, and, and that feeling of possession through PMDD, right? Where it comes in and it, feel, and it can, and we can dissociate from it because it's like, well, I don't have a, I don't have a concept that allows that to exist. Mm in my community of self. Yes, yes. I hear you on that and it really rung true because I feel that my PMDD, I do like, I'm like, oh, I give it like a name or it's, it's not part of me because it's not part of that productive, happy, shiny person that I feel maybe the world kind of wants to have us, you know, all the women be just, you know, happy and always in a good mood, but we have all facets. So I guess embodiment is just, allowing all of us to be would you say, is it like that kind of yeah i would say you know yeah being yeah. present with it and and sensing it feel allowing for those feelings and to our for our sensation to stay there you know um mm -hmm. and to be curious about it um and and that's it's an ongoing thing you know and i think that's where our agency comes in you know of, of the recognition that you know, I, I can be here with this. I can be in relationship yeah. with this, um, that it's safe to do so and important and meaningful. Mm. Yes, definitely. So how do we, because sometimes it doesn't feel safe, right? When the rage comes and we have these outbursts and it kind of feels like this is Jekyll and Hyde, like it's outside of me. How do I start embodying or being feeling safe around all of me all of who i am mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think like that recognition of like one the validity of like of that like it it's not gonna it doesn't feel bright and fun and it's not full of rainbows and unicorns and all of that right it it 
can suck. <laughs> and what do we do in that moment, right? Where it does feel really scary. And you're like, I really don't want this to be happening. Um, and so I think like, you know, part of that feeling, I think that the, one of the things I really appreciate about some of the ways that we talk about PMDD, where it feels like this other self, right? This other thing. And, um, and, and where it comes and it swoops in and possesses it, possesses us and we feel like we don't have any control. So from a depth psychological standpoint, which really sees um, is a more like an imaginal approach to, to our human experience and sees a symptom as a sort of messenger of soul. And so there's this curiosity of like, okay, like let's take that uh, even further, that like premenstrual self of let's not like let's personify it let's give her a name you know and, and so often my clients will call her like the monster or something like this right <laughs> and and the more that you know like any unconscious complex you know like any any of us can have a day where a mood comes over us and we're like i don't even know what came for me i don't know what that was you know and the more um the more we hold at bay you know, a symptom or an unconscious complex, the more power it truly has. Mm. And so while it doesn't necessarily initially sound fun, turning towards it, right? Saying, okay, monster, you're here. Yeah. I see you, you know, um, I hear you. I hear that like anger is your vocabulary right now. <laughs> You know, this is how some deep psychic need is being expressed, you know, and the more that we turn towards it in the same way that we may turn, like if we had a recurring nightmare, you know, I kind of see this as like psyche knocking on the door of consciousness again and again and again, every month, <laughs> yes. you know, and, and it's like, it has a need and we turn away from it because it's loud, it's scary, it's mournful it's anxious you know however however it's showing up yeah um and if we turn towards it and befriend it like mm. a sister mm. yeah. you know and and listen and like what do you because i often find that that pmdd monster <laughs> that pmdd self is off it is an advocate for some deep need that we don't have conscious permission to claim or a wound, you know, a scared child that needs that safety, that recognition, you know, I mean, it's different for everybody, but that there's yeah. something there that is a part of our fullness mm. that is really cast into the shadows, into the unconscious and whatever, whatever, you know, whatever the block may be that says you're not allowed in, you know, so I'll stop there. <laughs> yes. And thank you for saying that it's different for everybody because we all have our own expressions of our PMDD. For me, it was anger and rage. So thank you for saying that. And so you're saying that our PMDD symptoms are actually showing us where we have, we're not owning maybe a part of ourselves. Could you go a little deeper into that? How could somebody start to begin that process of uncovering, of peeling back. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and turning into, like turning towards, and I think 
Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, turning towards it, personifying it, taking like that, we're, we're already saying it's other, right? We're already saying it's other. And, I, and I'm encouraging us to go further with that. Um, <laughs> of like really getting playful. And this is a part of depth and archetypal psychology where to personify a mood or a behavior, you know? And in that, it, and when we be, when it becomes, you know, um, a character, a goddess, uh, you know, whatever, an image, then there's movement. Then we can like be like, okay, let's sit down at the table and try to figure this out. Let's talk. You know, I'm gonna pour you a cup of tea. Tell me your story of woe. Like, what is going on, girlfriend? You know, what do you need? You know, like, like I'm listening, you know, like you don't have to scream at me. Like I'm here. And if you need to like, like vent, tell me it all, but like, let's an understanding that there is something here that it's not just this monstrous feminine of the body, right? Of that there's something here that it is contextual, that it has something that it's coming, whether it's our relationship with our, her, our historical relationship with family, with culture, with partners, how we've internalized that with ourselves, you know, um, that there's something there wanting to be known, wanting to be healed, wanting to be heard. And it's not because like we failed, we, we missed something, like it, it's not because we made a mistake, <laughs> right? Um, it's that like, within the human experience, there's always things that are in the shadow. There are always things that are unconscious. And I think that there's um, an intimate relationship between menstruality and a woman's um, experience of herself, you know, because historically um, a woman's sense of self or her value in society is diminished by a menstrual affiliation, right? And, and so, and I guess I say that because I think there's a valid question of like, well, why, you know, why would my experience of like wounding in childhood show up during my premenstrual phase? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like what, 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 what's up with that? <laughs> you know, and I think because there's this, there's this kind of rupture in um, whatever level of self-silencing we might participate in unconsciously on the other days of the month, you know, there is a kind of natural opening of the threshold premenstrually that isn't inherently negative, you know, but it's where things can rise, you know, where dreams can suddenly come to consciousness, where feelings that we've been like, oh, that's silly, that's ridiculous, that's, I need to like get over that or whatever come forth and they will be raw like if they have been um, left out of consciousness. Oof. That is so deep, hence depth psychology makes total sense. And I love <laughs> what you wrote, and this kind of ties into this, that you say that PMDD is not a problem to be fixed, but rather acknowledged, witnessed, honored, learned from, healed, and integrated. So I guess this is kind of what you're saying that we turn towards and kind of go deep and, and ask, what are you needing in this moment? So can we do that with journaling or just kind of like in a quiet moment in our mind? When, how can we do that practically? Yeah, I mean, um, practically, um, 
journaling is is helpful as and I know as you you encourage women to do too of charting our cycles and and getting to know you know who like and I and personifying of always asking who's here you know and even during ovulation you know because your ovulatory self is going to feel really different than your menstrual self than your premenstrual self than your luteal self and allowing for this inner richness this inner multiplicity you know, and if you imagine this as like this inner cast of characters of menstrual cycle characters that you have, right? And if one of them's got her head on the table and doesn't even want to look up, you know, like to bring care to that part of self, to bring compassion, to be curious about her because she holds some gold. And, and that's one thing that I really encourage women to imagine into you know, because, and that is my, my experience again and again, anytime a woman comes through the door and says like, I have PMDD or I think I have PMDD. Yeah. Um, and as we welcome in the, you know, the experience of the premenstrual self, welcoming in, what does the anger say? You know, what is she angry about? You know, what is she really needing? And, and mapping that, um, you know, and the medicine wheel that I mentioned earlier, you know, if the spiritual, the mental, the physical and the emotional, like, you know, for example, <clears throat> you know, the anger part might feel in a particular scenario, like, you know, I just don't feel like I can exist. Mm. You know, I, I feel like I'm in exile. You know, there's like real existential despair. And it's like, okay, let's move out over the mind. Like, what are the ideas and the beliefs in your world that have supported that? You know, what's what's excluded, what's allowed in, what's not? How does that feel in the body? I feel helpless. You know, I collapse. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to work. You know, uh, what go over the heart. Like, what do you really want for? I want to, you know, I really want to be trusted. I want to feel belong. I have something to give. You know, I often find like, whether it's, um, you know, a woman's creativity, her freedom, her, um, her desire, sexually, passionately, her, what she wants to do in the world, you know, these things that are filled with like life force <laughs> and gold, you know, are often at the root. You know, mm -hmm. if we have like the PMDD behavior happening up here on the surface, you know, and as we follow the thread and get closer and closer to the depths of, you know, what is soul wanting to express here? What is trying to be heard? You know, and to me, this is inner social justice work. That there is like, you know, someone that needs to be past the mic, <laughs> that needs inner representation within our like community of selves, you know, who's been marginalized and is either like, you know, in a free state and won't get out of bed, is fighting, is fleeing out the door once a month you know what I mean like because it there's just there isn't a sense of safety in the body of like I can be here too mm. um and so I think bringing that voice in is a way of empowering ourselves yes 
Mm. Yes. That was exactly what I was going through. What my PMD was telling mm -hmm. me that there are parts of me that I have not been owning, not been listening to all my life for decades. Mm -hmm. And it was trying to get my attention and to fight its way out. Listen to me. There is so much more to life. And when I finally was able to listen, that's when the healing began. So thank you for, mm -hmm. for sharing that mm -hmm. and bringing that up. And um, yeah. for someone, because you, you work with um, people, menstruators with PMDD, when someone comes to you and says, I have PMDD, I don't know what to do anymore. What are some of the first questions you ask or some of the first things you you take this person through mm. um I ask well what I usually say that I'm excited <laughs> <laughs> I usually say that I'm really excited because like it's like here we are you know it's like here you and and here that woman is here whoever's listening is you know who's ready um, to meet whatever's on the other side of that mm. premenstrual self, yeah. you know, that even in like the darkest of like the pre, like the darkest premenstrual experience that there is at root, like a wellspring of life that's wanting to break free. So yay, <laughs> just to have that as like a big picture of like, this is where we're going. This is what this is towards. This is what it's about, yeah. you know, um, to feel like, oh, like this isn't just um, a problem. Like I don't have to just like do another thing to make myself better or, you know, um, uh, like, fast track another thing in my, you know what I mean <laughs> that, yeah. like yeah that kind of thing and so then beyond that of I really want to hear like I, I like of, of take like kind of take me there take me to that experience of the premenstrual self like let's bring her in the room mm -hmm. yes. you know because oftentimes we don't want to we just want to talk about it like it's over there right yeah. And, and to really bring her in because it's in that relating to her and befriending her and letting her give voice that things start to shift that we then get to feel some because if we're, if we're just talking about it like a problem or like this thing that we have to figure out, it maintains attention with it because we're still kind of pushing it. We're like, hmm you know? Yeah. And so, you know, for example, like one woman that I worked with, um, who, who was really terrified of herself, um, premenstrually and she's like, it's ruining my relationship. It makes me hard, hard to go to work. You know, all this, um, many symptoms that women often describe. Right. Yeah. And, um, and we got to move through her frustration and her anger and to grief and to sadness and to fear, and to desire, you know, of that, um, of, and, and the desire that was fenced in by a whole bunch of beliefs that weren't like really hers, you know, but had gotten internalized and reified, you know, by the world and her people and whatever, you know? And so 
again, like practically of, um, of whether it's like having an, doing some free writing, doing an imaginal dialogue, writing a scene, you know, kind of, and I think personifying helps because it allows for a, a relational distance, which is different than the objectified kind of your problem go away. Yeah. But of like, you know, you know, dark sister, you know, dark menstrual informant, the monster, you know, this bloody other, you know, who's rageful and screaming and coming out of the shadows and this nightmare menstruation, whatever we want to call it, right? Maybe you have a nicer name for her. <laughs> but, you know, call her the bitch, call her whatever you want, you know, um, and to talk to her. And I think in the matter of moments, it's often surprising what comes through mm. when we drop the tension of get away from me, stop mm. bothering me, leave me alone. And we say, okay, like I can hold my space and you're over here. Mm. And now we can relate to each other because that, that moves the possession, right? Yeah. And it says, wait a minute. I occupy this body, <laughs> we're here together, you know, I'm going to hold my ground. You can be here, but we got to talk, mm. you know, and I'm going to listen and let's make this a two-way street. Mm. And that's where love gets to come in. That's where acceptance gets to come in. And, and within like the matter of months, it can shift where the premenstrual experience just becomes like, you know, information can come up mm -hmm. and we can experience that in a completely different way, you know, and, it, and, it, and in a way kind of um, hones our intuition, our way of listening to ourselves. And I, and I believe that that's a part of like the big fear around the premenstruals or the PMDD self, you know, it is powerful, it's potent. And so as a word of encouragement, you know, to that, like the other side of that potency is the power of really being in alignment with your ever evolving needs mm. and your ever expanding self yeah. and how terrifying that can be in a certain way <laughs> in this world. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks for showing us a little bit what the other side looks like. And we're almost at time, but what came up as you were speaking, this also sitting at the table with our Kali self or Sheila or the monster, whatever we want to call it, also helps in relationships because I, I for this this correlation came up because when we push this part of us away and we make it like, uh, that's also why sometimes maybe our partners push that part of ourselves away because we haven't accepted yet. And I have noticed that when I started accepting this part of me and sitting at the table and listening to her, my partner was also able to then approach me because I guess I accepted myself. I have to do that first before I can radiate that out. So that's kind of what came up. Is that, does that, um, do you also notice that in relationships that that has a lot to do with it? Oh, totally. And, you know, and I love that you brought Kali into this, you know, cause it's like, like to say that, okay, Kali is here and to put that language into our relationships too right? Like you don't have to have it all figured out before you start talking to your partners about this. I'm just like, listen, we're going to start changing the script around this a bit. <laughs> you know, Kali is here 
And this is what, you know, because Kali is a major protectress, right? And she's a major advocate and she's standing there for justice. She's got her sword, her tongue is out and she's like, wants blood, you know? And so that's serious stuff. You know, what is Kali here to protect? What do we need, you know, and, and what can both people in the relationship, what, what does she want as offerings? You know, how can you ritualize that? What is she wanting, you know, and how Kali may help you and partner, you know, you, anybody, right? Of, of really kind of through relating to that image of Kali, um, where that gives permission for whatever it is that Kali is representing, whatever that is that Kali is like, mm -mm, I'm not standing for this anymore, right? Now, this, right? And if it feels like, eesh, like, I don't know if I can claim that yet, like Kali, Kali can do it. <laughs> Kali can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and, and becomes a teacher. And that is where like that PMDD self is a guide you know, is a guide to, of us learning how to embody that thing that feels so scary, that feels so big, that feels so other, you know, that feels so angry or whatever the case may be to come out of the shadows. And it's like, she's going to hold it down and we can, you know, lay our arms at her altar and learn, you know, how to integrate that in a different way you know, and welcome her in and our partners can, and that can be a part of that language of like, how do we support Kali in our relationship? How do, how do, you know, what do we both need? You know, what, what is she, what is she here to tell us both? Um, and and I, that's what another piece of like, of, of finding the image, the goddess, the symbol, whatever the case may be, you know, how that kind of opens up space for movement, for playfulness, for some levity, you know, um, for new language around it. And, um, and then to see, you know, how, how that plays out, you know, I, I actually uh, working with one woman who, it was Kali who showed up, you know, Kali had a lot to say about, <laughs> about things happening in this woman's life, you know, and she wanted some changes. And the conscious you know, the conscious self was like, oh, but I can't, I don't have the time, I don't have the resources, you know, whatever. And Kali's like, well, you know, something's got to shift. Sorry, babe, but you know. <laughs> that is juicy. I, so do you, this is my last question. Do yeah. you recommend, so should we give um, our PNDD self a name, a, a goddess? Should, is that something you, you recommend? I definitely do <laughs> okay so y'all this is your call out there in the in in our facebook group post who you are who is your pmdd self mine is kali so i'm claiming that right now i'll, I'll post a photo of it and i'll post a photo of her in the facebook group so y'all can see how fierce she is and give us your names it might be like i said sheila or honeybee or yeah, or the monster, whatever you want to do. So post that in Facebook group. I think that would be really fun and can start to help us on our PMDD healing journey. So Dr. Roxanne, we are a little over time because this has just been so juicy. Do you have any last words of hope or encouragement for anyone suffering from PMDD? Mm. Yeah, um, you're ready. <laughs> 
you know, if you're here and you're listening, uh, that you have that inner readiness, that the foundation is laid to, to meet like what that gold that is on the other side of the PMDD experience. You know, Lilith and her horns come up for me premenstrually and there's a lot of wisdom and agency and power in her. So whoever your goddess is, whoever your PMDD self is, um, that she holds something really, really big and juicy for you. So, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Roxanne, for being here. This was absolutely powerful. Thank you for taking time. Thank you out there for listening and for saying yes. And yeah, thanks for coming. And that's it. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Hi, it's Charisma. If this expert interview inspired you or helped you in any way, please consider leaving a five-star review with your insights so other PMDD warriors like you can find these interviews and benefit from them too. You're awesome and thank you so much for being a part of this community. And remember, relief is possible. Okay, bye.